At this point, you should be on the frame with a film strip title that says Oral Hygiene. Hello, welcome to Oral Hygiene. This is the podcast where you look at educational films, documentary films, caught experimental films, but we're doing none of that today. <laughs> we're looking at a website in lieu of a film, but I, I think it makes sense. Uh, joining me is the host of the Macroaggressions podcast and author, co-author of the Controlled Demolition of the United States. I just got the title slightly wrong, didn't I? Uh, American Empire. Too busy. <laughs> Hi, Charlie Robinson. Hi, how are you? Good to be back with you. Not talking about movies, but talking about crazier things like uh, <laughs> like what we're going to get into today. Yeah, yeah. And this is, um, I guess it's a dead horse. We, we looked at a website today. We, we went to the um, Chantix website just to just to see, you know, if, if, I, if I'm a aspiring... Um, one non-smoker wannabe you know what, what can tantix do for me uh first thing i noticed is it can't do anything because they don't have it right now <laughs> oh really yeah the first uh, thing i had well, pop up it, it it um they've got it branded as different names depending on different countries too so so it's not always the same it's not always chantix wherever you want it's something else somewhere else like uh uh i forget what the the British version of it is, but it's uh, um, same stuff, just different, different name. Champ, Champix is what they call it in the UK. So it's not Chantix, it's Champix. Either uh, way, you're either way, the, the side effects are the same. <laughs> and it's <laughs> like, would you like a side order of insanity with your prescription drugs? Because you're going to get one. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't know where I'll put in this podcast, but um, I just interviewed my coworker yesterday um, who had who took it twice. <laughs> and um, oh, yeah, basically he, he, he well, I'll play it in a little bit, but he uh, gets to the bit where he just talks about, you yeah, know, my main my main side effect was lucid dreams. And then he starts talking about insane lucid dreaming, which in his case, that's kind of cool side effects. And then I think right after I hit the recording, it's like, oh, maybe that's why I got a bunch of blood clots, too. <laughs> oh maybe really yes let's 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 continue that yeah because uh, he's like it's not genetic knowing my family has that problem but now i do <laughs> great well at least you're not smoking yeah i don't know I, I believe he does not smoke now so good for him well that's good but, but <laughs> even then it's no it's no guarantee because you could i mean if after all the nightmares you have you'll be up smoking so that you never fall asleep again i mean you you'll be terrified i remember reading about this like years ago like 10 at least 10 years ago and having a buddy of mine say you got to hear these side effects you got there's he found this great uh website and i don't know where it is anymore i i tried looking for it i couldn't find it but it was it was like a compilation of the wildest dreams of of chantix and it was not good it was it was like like that scene in fear and loathing in las vegas when they've done uh when they've done too much ether and they can't get through the front door of like the circus circus hotel and they're just their bodies are just shake and then they finally get in and there's midgets and crocodiles and all kinds of crazy things in there that's what these dreams were like. That was like a, a list of the scariest, trippiest, acid-induced nightmares, except everyone that was experiencing these, they weren't just like, oh, I had a casual dream. It was like, I had a dream that is burned into my brain and I can never forget it. And it was terrifying. And I thought I was going to die and it didn't make sense. And then I woke up and remembered every component of it and then wrote a big paragraph about it and some blog online. Well, actually, in lieu of a plot summary, which doesn't make sense here, I guess that's where I'll plug in this uh, little interview I just did uh, with Insane Lucid Dreams. So uh, here we go with that. This is Matt. I'm here with Matt E. How confusing is that? Hello. Yeah. 
You weren't Maddie before you started working with me, though. No, I wasn't. No. I wasn't Maddie. But now you refer to yourself as Maddie. All the time, even when I'm at home. It's confusing. It's like, who the hell's Maddie? <laughs> Word on the street is you fucked with Chantix. Uh, yes, sir. Twice. Yes, sir. How'd that come to be? Because uh, I was a young kid who was smoking and I wanted to quit. And my doctor's like, we have this new drug. Do you want to try it? And I said, yes, let's do it. Balls, yes. That's all he said? Just like, here's a new drug, try it? Yeah, basically. Did he give you a pamphlet or anything? Yeah, he gave me the pamphlet. Did you look at the side effects? Uh, he told me the side effects. How long did that take? For him to tell me the side effects? Yeah. Uh, five minutes. That's a long time to tell someone about side effects, isn't it? <laughs> He's just kind of going over it. And then yeah. I, I think I asked, I said, uh, are there any side effects? And he explained them to me and I said, no. What, what, what was better, not smoking or the side effects? Uh, the side effects. <laughs> that was better. In your case, yes, I guess it was better. You didn't... I, I, one of the side effects is urge to smoke, which seems kind of weird from a, <laughs> from, a, from a med that's supposed to make you stop smoking. But you, you got the cool side effects, right? Yes, I did. And what was that? Uh, lucid dreams. <laughs> and uh, tell us about the lucid dreams. I had several. Uh, the one that is most memorable... Uh, I was in like a boathouse that was very nautical themed. There was like life preservers on the walls and like diving suits and harpoons. It was very uh, rustic and manly. And there's a big bay window with a gorgeous sunset. And the bay window uh, had like a divider. So you could see underwater and above water at the same time. And I was just looking at it, enjoying the sunset, and my, in my thoughts, I was just like, you know, I hope I don't see a shark. And immediately when I thought that, I saw a giant, like, 30-meter shark just come through. <laughs> maybe not 30 meters, I don't know the metric, like 10 meters, maybe. And uh, bust through the glass. All the water from the partition is, like, pouring in. And this shark slowly starts squirming through the window. And the water's not deep enough for it to swim, so it's kind of just flopping around, but it's trying to bite me. And I could, it's so big that I could feel the bite force of its jaws, like, break the wind in front of me. So I, like, step to the side, try and dodge this thing while it's chomping at me, and I grab its gills, and it starts flopping me around. And I'm riding it like a rodeo bull. And then all of a sudden I get the idea to just start punching it. So I punch it in its gills repeatedly until it eventually just breaks inwards and all the blood pours out of the shark and fills the room in the water, or fills the water in the room. And uh, the room was just covered in blood and a dead shark and it wasn't very beautiful anymore. Would it make a good Chantix advertisement? Yes, it would. <laughs> Chantix. <laughs> and uh, sorry, I, I guess it's not Chantix anymore, but while I got you in the horn, being in the same room, I guess it's not a horn, but uh, I, I, now I gotta get you, give you, get you to give the lucid dream you told me like two or three weeks ago. Yeah, it's kind of fuzzy because I haven't been thinking about it. <laughs> What'd you do, you killed a pig? No, that, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that one was gross. <laughs> The first one was pretty gross. Why don't you top it? Yeah, well, the thing about like, Chantex, it was like, I never had lucid dreams before. But then, once I had lucid dreams, since that moment, I have them pretty regularly now. It's like one of those things, it's like, you have to unlock it. It's like an ability. And once it's unlocked, it's unlocked for... Achievement. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so it's like, if anyone wants to un untap into their sacred lucid energy that's, that's one way to do it so that that should be chantix's advertisement don't stop smoking but be <laughs> be prepared to step into the astral <laughs> the funny thing about that is i it works really well for at least for my case when i took it i had zero urge to smoke like it was just done like i hadn't i didn't even think about it but then the minute i finished the treatment i wanted a cigarette like that day. <laughs> Did you get like, one? Yeah. That's why I had to try it again, because I'm like, it works. So. so 
I tried it twice, but I didn't, then I, I quit smoking for a long time, but then relapsed. And it wasn't until like, I just decided I didn't like it anymore that I could do it. So, so maybe that's, that's a good treatment too. Just don't like it anymore. <laughs> Hopefully you don't die before you get to that point. I just didn't like the way it made me feel. But uh, yeah, going back to that dream uh, I had a couple months ago, I was at like some dilapidated farmhouse and the guy, the farmer was just like some old country guy, burly, friendly, but like stern. And he had like, it wasn't your typical farm because he had like weird museum style like exhibits filled with like exotic creatures. And like, in my, in my mind, I was just like a worker helping him out. And uh, as we're going through this, this farm, there's like this weird, like 400 pound pig. And for some reason it's molting and it's just trying to like squeeze out of its former skin. And it's screaming so loud. <laughs> and it's very disturbing, but it's like, to me, this is just, in the dream, it's just a, it's just a Tuesday. <laughs> and I'm watching this thing molt, and it's struggling so hard, and it looks like it's in so much pain. And it finally is able to get like halfway out of its older shell until it struggles too much and rips itself in half. And its organs just spill out all over the ground. And... I tell the uh, I tell the farmhand uh, what happened, and he says that we have to uh, get the meat before it spoils, basically. And so we go into the into the container, and I'm just grinding this gross, dilapidated monster pig into hamburger meat. And it's very, very graphic and so bloody, and I'm not even flinching because I'm. This is just what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> <laughs> but when I woke up, I just thought to myself immediately after the dream was like, "What the fuck? <laughs> Why did I have this dream? It was so disturbing." But I mean, it's not the worst dream you can have. I've also had one where I experienced death completely. Normally, typically, when you have a a dream like. When you get to the moment of death, you usually wake up, right? Mm, you're talking to the wrong guy on that. <laughs> well, for me, uh, I had my throat slit, and like I could vividly feel the me losing consciousness. It's like I could see the blood pouring out, and I felt like dizzy, and I passed out. Like there was no pain, but I my consciousness was slowly going in and out and I could feel myself like losing oxygen and suffocating on my own blood. And then everything just went black and I kind of just sat there and in it for a while until like the dream like snapped over into like a new section. Like, like it would in like a TV series or a movie. Yeah, maybe you just got bored. <laughs> just goes to the next scene. And uh, a lot of times like in that moment, because like I didn't have a corporeal form, I didn't have a body, like, it was kind of like sleep paralysis, which happens to me a lot when I lucid dream. Dream paralysis. Yeah, like whenever I'm in a situation where it's like death, or being smothered, or, or unable to move, like I usually have sleep paralysis in the, in the aftermath. Chanted! <laughs> Now, I did go looking through the um, side effects last night. Of course, the, the ones officially listed, because there's probably a few they didn't bother listing or just don't know about yet. Um, <laughs> some of the fun ones is um, urge to smoke is one of the side effects. That's good. <laughs> yeah, this, the, the, the stop smoking drug has a side effect that makes you want to smoke. Great. How can you tell it's working? Well, because it's made by Pfizer. And then, and that way, you know, it's working. The, um, the webpage itself basically says sugar pills are going to do just about as good as the Chantex. <laughs> well, not if you're expecting acid fueled dreams, they're not. 
I was promised insanity in my dreams. I mean, the, the, the stuff about, you know, like guys having dreams where all their skin is peeling off and there's dragons everywhere. I mean, and it's, it's like a horrifying thing. Uh, that's going to make me want to start smoking. You know what I mean? Like if I was a smoker before, that's definitely going to make me want to keep smoking. And if I was not a smoker, of course I wouldn't be taking the drug, but if for some reason I did having nightmares of skin falling off or me falling backwards out of uh, down a mountain that just is endless and never, you never hit the bottom. And that goes on for, for an hour. No, thank you. I'm good. I, I'll pass. I'll, I, whatever that pill is supposed to prevent you from doing or having or being or whatever. Uh, well, all that stuff has got to be better than having these never ending nightmares that, that apparently don't stop. They don't stop happening when you're taking the drug. It happens to a whole lot of the people and they get progressively weirder. So yeah, I'm, uh, uh, I'm actually going to be advocating for smoking uh, in light of these drugs. I think it's probably a, a, a safer alternative than losing your mind. Oh yeah. Of, of the ones uh, that I just plugged in, I think the second dream was just from a few weeks ago, which is long after his, uh, his run with, with the Chantix. Oh but, good. Uh... That's so it's like, it's like how they would tell you that, you know, don't do acid because it gets stored in your fat. And then eight months later, when you're burning that fat, then that acid will kick in and then you'll be tripping in the middle of no, I've never known anybody that's had that happen, but apparently you can get that with Chantex too, which is, it's like a buy one, get one insanity fueled dream later for free. You know, I just had a, um, a pretty weird i'll go ahead and call it a psychedelic experience on saturday um <laughs> okay just um it, it was a super heavy rain the train stopped running in japan so my company wanted me to take a taxi once they saw the bill for the taxi they're like oh god we should have left you at home but uh <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but they had to pay to, they had to pay for me to go back home as well and it's a uh, still heavy rain and i get in it's, you know the the og san the the old man basically and his somewhat old taxi and he's just it's like a uh, roads 50 kilometers an hour i guess it's about 35 miles per hour and if there's not a car in from in heavy rain he's just tearing ass at about uh, 60 down like city streets <laughs> but i was like well seems dangerous it's, or like, it's like the harry potter scene with the uh, the, the rasta bus <laughs> right <laughs> but um, at, at one point i was like well i should just enjoy this and i guess the uh having done a full work day Having, having had the drink in the back of the car because you can do that in Japan. Um, and then this mildly terrifying taxi ride, I just kind of got into this cool trance state. You know, I, everything unfocused, <laughs> everything unfocused, and then refocused. And I was like, hey, this is cool. So I was like, I guess I'll, you know, I'll milk this for all it's worth while I'm going home. <laughs> That's great, man. That guy could have taken you in his taxi to another dimension. You wouldn't have, uh, you wouldn't have known. What if he was like a... a interdimensional taxi driver you just get in you get in in japan and you come out in bangladesh somewhere that'd be pretty hip <laughs> that would be cool yeah. i had a uh, an experience speaking of acid and taxi drivers um back in college i got into a i had done acid this saturday night and my girlfriend at the time was not with me. She was across town and she said, I'm, I'm at this nightclub. I got you. I need someone to, I need you to come pick me up. And I couldn't tell her I was on acid because that would be inappropriate. So I was like, <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm really drunk. You know, I can't drive. And she's like, but you gotta come get me. You gotta, I'm at this place. I don't have a car. I'm wasted. I'm underage and all these things. And I said, all right, well, I'll, I'll get a cab. Right. And so my head is full of, LSD and I am enjoying this night and who shows up? This is South central Los Angeles where I'm going to school. Um, it's like maybe one o'clock in the morning cab driver shows up Rastafarian guy, sunglasses on at night, gold teeth, you know, gold tooth. And he's like, come on in, man. I was like, Oh no, this is going to get weird. And we went on this crazy taxi cab adventure me and the rastafarian cab driver who didn't know i was screwed up didn't tell i didn't have the heart to tell him um <laughs> and we went to this got, picked up the girlfriend and uh and and while i was waiting for the girlfriend 
in front of this nightclub, the, the lady goes, I'll go in and I'll go get her for you. And you just stand out here. I'm standing there and there's this guy across the away from me and, and it's an all Asian nightclub. Right. And so the guy across the way from me, he's got like this long trench leather trench coat on and he's smoking cigarettes and he's just staring at me. And I'm like, Oh, he knows I'm fucked up for sure. You know? So I I'm just trying to not make eye contact, whatever I do, just don't look at this guy who looks like, you know, like a mafioso Yakuza type guy but I can't help it. Cause now it's in my head. Don't make eye contact. with. So the only thing I want to do is look at this guy. And so I finally, as I'm trying to look away and look away, I finally lock eyes with him. And then I can't break away. I, I get like sucked into his tractor beam and I'm staring at him and he's staring at me and I'm like, Oh my God, he's got to know that I messed up. Right. And he takes a big hit on his cigarette and then turns to a balloon a helium balloon that was right next to him and he just pops it. And it just makes this huge noise that echoes through this hallway where we were. And I just go, you know, cause I'm convinced that I'm dying right at this moment. And he just starts laughing, man. He must've read it on my face. <laughs> I must've had, I'm out of my mind for uh, tattooed across my forehead. And right as that happened, then the door opens, my girlfriend comes out. I'm like, we got to get to the safety of this Rastafarian cab driver from South central Los Angeles. who's wearing sunglasses at night and driving us at two o'clock in the morning, get in quick where we're safe. You know, hey, if you got that sentence out, that's pretty hip. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, that that's the, uh, sometimes, you know, I teach and sometimes that is the impression I'd like to give. I, I'd like, to open my door with you know dub music playing and a, a waft of blue smoke <laughs> yeah man that's what i felt like i was like i felt like i was uh i i felt like i felt like everybody knew but i but really nobody knows except you and but you're you get all paranoid and yeah. go, oh, this is kind of this is kind of a this is kind of an adventure but um but uh, the, the, that's uh, the joys of college, right? You know, I mean, I, I, the idea of doing that right now does not appeal to me. But when I was 20, uh, it sounded like a really great Saturday night. Actually, uh, they, there's a bunch of dub reissues last year. So I've been listening to a bunch of like 70s reggae and dub. And uh, then I, I was making some folk rock stuff. And I was listening a few days ago and realized these are in progress. But I realized I had mixed all the bass lines like dub style and like folk rock which doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> think of the birds with a giant pounding chest thumping bass it, it doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> so maybe another time um getting getting back to the actual topic and uh, again as you know already tangents are fully welcome it's all about the tangents really but all about um the tangents i feel like the 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 chantex really hit with the uh, saturday night live sort of uh parodies i guess five or six years ago did you come across those I didn't see it. No. Oh, they just, uh, they, um, you know, they're like one minute fake Chantix ads that they did about five years ago. See, this was something that people got five years ago. Like, Hey, this, this stuff's kind of messed up. And, <laughs> but yeah, they yeah. have things like side, they just keep listing more and more insane side effects. Like, you know, Robert De Niro face, and, uh, <laughs> 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 you know, chanting and in, in Sanskrit or something. <laughs> so, well, but, I, I found a great article for us uh, and it's from the Washington post, which means it's gotta be true. Right. Um, it said the stop smoking pill made me do it. Man found not criminally responsible for shooting wife. This is back in 2016. The smoking cessation drug Chantix has now played a crucial role in a second violent crime on Monday. A Maryland man was found not criminally responsible for shooting his wife in the neck in their home in 2014, because he was found to be suffer suffering from involuntary intoxication due to Chantix. His wife survived. Um, Last year, an army soldier who brutally stabbed another soldier to death in 2008, won a new hearing because the judge in his original trial ref refused to let him put on an involuntary intoxication defense. The soldier claimed that he was so neurologically disturbed by Chantix that he was not aware of what he was doing. A military court then reduced his sentence from life without parole to 45 years. So there is a benefit. If you are on this stuff, um, you may in fact have a built-in uh, criminal defense case if you do something crazy. Now I've heard of like people taking Ambien and not remembering what they do and get in their car and drive to a casino and lose a bunch of money and have no recollection or they make a turkey dinner or something in the middle of the night or a tweet <laughs> or a tweet. 
maybe even more dangerous than all of those things, yeah. right? In this society. But uh, yeah, they've... Uh, so Chantix has been used as as a defense in a in a a, a deadly attack. So there's that. Yeah, I, I I haven't been. I think I've mentioned before. I haven't been in the state since 2010. So I have not. I've not been to the American medical system anytime recently. But I do remember um, probably about 2006. I think I was in the states a little, or 2005 and having some back issues and you know just being given like hydrocodone or whatever it's called um you know and not taking it and selling it to punk rockers statue of limitations is over on that but <laughs> right <laughs> no I, I i yeah looking back i'm like oh yeah they that, they were trying to get me hooked <laughs> yeah 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 for sure they did that i had a car accident i got prescribed all this stuff too and then they were like we want to do neck surgery i was like you know if i let you guys do all the things you want to do you'll do every, every experiment, uh, or every procedure you can. At some point you have to kind of say, stop, especially in America, because they'll just prescribe you a pill for everything. And that unfortunately, much like this quitting smoking, which is, you know, a, a serious task and, 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 a uh, health driven responsibility for people. They go, okay, I need to quit smoking. So what do you do to quit? You, you quit smoking because it's bad for you and it's unhealthy and it's dangerous and it's, it's a lot of things. But when the cure is, is, is just another form of danger, then what are we doing? But that's America. See, we've got everybody sort of conditioned to seek some sort of pill for it. Even if the pill comes with side effects that are just as bad as what you're trying to cure. It's like, we just, we just want the pill. Although let's 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 put a sunny side. I think acupuncture is now considered like a, a proper treatment in America. Like some some people, am I right on that? Okay, because in Japan, well, of course, yeah, it's always yeah, been, it, yeah. It, it it's still like acupuncture and chiropractors are still kind of on the fringe. Like they're still sort of like mm, maybe these help. The people that use them say they absolutely help, but but there's still a little woo woo uh, surrounding them. But but it's getting better. Yeah, because what what got me around those back issues finally was getting up a acupuncturist and maybe a chiropractor to do in America. Uh, actually, the the first really effective one, I think he was shooting like an electric current through the muscle, like with two electrodes, and that that actually worked. But anyway, the point is sticking needles in and uh, doing that works a whole lot better in pills because that just is, covers up the the pain basically, which you know yeah. isn't so useful in the end. Um, and oh, quick story in the first time. Um, actually, when I first did acupuncture, my I just I think my wife and I were still dating, and she was just like, "Oh, I'll take you somewhere to, you know, because you're having this back problem." I was like kind of hunching over, having trouble getting out of cars at the time. And we go, and it's like, "Oh, we're going to do acupuncture." Also, this is a school for the blind, so the guy doing your acupuncture is blind. I'm like, "Well, <laughs> I guess that's probably better." <laughs> Use the force, Luke. Yeah, we're like I mean, in the already at the clinic, and uh, her aunt works there. That's that's why we got it, and, and it is a place with good reputation and stuff. And they did a good job, but yeah, it's just like, hey, guess what? No warning, you're you're about to get blind acupuncture. <laughs> wow, that's trust. Yeah, that's yeah. trust right there. That let the the blind guy with all the needles stick them in my body. Yeah, okay. Right. Well, <laughs> you know, it it we in in the Western world. Have, you know, are always a bit dismissive of that stuff. And, and we shouldn't be, especially, I mean, it's not like we have better ideas. Like the, the Rockefeller funded medical system is a disaster. I mean, it's just, it, it everything about it is, is, is horrible, horrible, but, but that we constantly shit on other uh, cultures that do things differently, like acupuncture or chiropractors or, or herbal remedies or natural, naturopathic type type things like oh that's voodoo that's uh you know that's woo woo stuff it's like well it might actually work you know if we got away from thinking that the only people that know how to fix us are people in white lab coats and we start looking at different uh solutions we might surprise ourselves. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad you had good experience with acupuncture because, uh, and I have, I've had great experience with chiropractic, uh, work too. After my car accident, the guy, they were, they were trying to say, we're going to have surgery on your neck. My chiropractor's going, don't do it. Don't do it. 
don't do it. You'll never be the same after that. He's like, let me work on you for a little bit, but you know, I'm going to give you rehab tips and how to strengthen yourself. Do that. It's better. And I was like, okay. And, and sure enough, I have no regrets about not getting surgery for it. And, uh, and you know, what's funny is that I fixed my neck accidentally. Uh, it wasn't the chiropractor that fixed it. It wasn't the medicine that fixed it. It wasn't uh, a surgery that was going to fix it. I actually, actually started taking these, vi- these dietary supplements, like, um, a, a thing called vitamineral green, which is like these green, it's like a green drink, but I got it in little capsules and I started taking those just because, not for my neck at all, just because I felt like, you know what? I don't get enough vegetables in my diet. I don't really love them all that much. So maybe I should just get like a supplement and this stuff is supposed to be really good. I'll just take these capsules. And and speaking of wanting to take a pill for everything, which is ironic, but uh, these these capsules are 100% like organic, real, real good stuff. So I started taking them thinking I'll improve my dietary component. And of course it did. It made me feel better. But you know, after about four days of taking these, my neck stopped hurting and I had no interest. I mean, I didn't take it for that. That was not my intention. I didn't even think about it. It never crossed my mind that my diet uh, or improved diet or improved nutrition would do anything for my neck that had like pinched nerves from a car accident. But as soon as I started taking that stuff, my neck injury, my neck uh, pain went away and, and never came back. And so... So, I, I mean, I think it's, I think we, as uh, just as human beings, especially ones that are influenced by the Western medicine, medicine industry should probably re-examine our relationship with these, with, with medicine, at least the allopathic medicine, the, the, the Rockefeller funded petroleum based pills that are supposed to cure everything because a lot of them just don't do what they're supposed to do. And Every now and then you get surprised like I did with these real like natural organic uh, substances. It just worked for me. Crazy. And actually, I'll, I'll give a two way response. One, I'll give just a shout out that if some of them do work, then it's cool because I am currently on one medication because my blood pressure is like slightly high. So they're like, take this. And I took it for a while. I was like, I don't want to be on no, no medication. So I stopped taking it and pop right back up. And then, yeah, then took it, started taking it again, went right back down. I have no side effects I can tell from it. So it's supposed to be relatively weak anyway. But I'm like, okay, that actually is effective. And that does right. come in. The, I think it's, oh, I think it's Meiji, like the people that make chocolate. They also make medicine. Interesting. Chocolate. Well, um, I'm not, listen, I'm in favor of chocolate medicine. Maybe if we <laughs> could try that, right? Well, my friend who works in uh, Tokyo, he, he works for a company and they're, Apparently, their main jams are like English schools and pharmaceuticals. <laughs> really? Like kind of a weird mixture there. <laughs> but um, funny. The, the other part where, um, and I'm not going to crap on this doctor too hard, but um, last year I, ha- I had to get surgery. I think I mentioned before I had like a tumor in the face, right? And they had to go check like by doing actual surgery, like up through the mouth. Right. And, and then he was like, well, I'm also going to put like a little porthole in your nose. So I can stick a camera in and see what's going on. Which Whoa. I think he did that about twice and it never happened again. And then about two months ago, my wife was like, that other part of the surgery was pretty unnecessary. I was like, yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, uh, I mean, I don't know how the medical, I don't know how the insurance industry is in Japan, but, but in the US, you know, I mean, it's just a disaster. You get, it's the, it's the weirdest thing. Like the whole, like the, the medical industry and the, auto repair industry are very (laughs) similar in that take your car in or take your body in, you go, there's something wrong with it. They go, all right, well, we'll take a look. Nowhere is there a price tag anywhere. There's no menu. There's no, this It's going to cost this much. It's like, how much is this going to cost? I don't know. We'll see. You know, how much of this is going to be covered by my insurance? (laughs) That's your problem. We'll figure it out. You know, so it's like this really, broken system uh financially you know, obviously the, the 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 medicine itself is is sort of you know the jury is still out on how effective all this stuff is but but the the payment component of it is insane well Just- america is still one of the most broken on that um because with my little journey through the medical system which was you know thankfully brief you know i i got some of the the high grade skag and it didn't affect me too much so that was kind of cool <laughs> but, uh, 
I think I had one day where I legitimately felt sick and that might have been because of hamburger I ate. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, the, the money wise. Yeah. We didn't get fleeced in any way. Um, Japanese national national insurance is not too bad. So that's um, good. I think a lot of it we got reimbursed for. Um, anyway, I'm not stressing out money right now, so I, I guess it that's works good. out. And um, as far as the cars, I think Japan makes you pay like. Two thousand bucks for a, a check every year, like just it's real expensive. But everyone's cars work. <laughs> well, okay, that's good. <laughs> and, if, and if you do need to take into a shop, what what do they do? They fix it. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, in, in the U.S., they just you know they they. I, I took my car in a couple of weeks ago. Just a just a regular type of thing. It was like an oil change and 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 something no it was there were two two components to it it was going to take all day the guy goes drop it off here at eight in the morning come back at four and pick it up and everything i drop it off at eight in the morning i'm in the lobby for maybe an hour my mom comes picks me up takes we go hang i go hang out with her for the day and then at the end she drops me off and i go into the place i go all right so i'm i'm here is my car ready the the guy goes oh yeah i've been meaning to call you we're not going to have chance to get to it today. So it's okay. You come back tomorrow. And I was like, are you kidding me? Or am I on the same planet as you? You just kept my car all day long and you were meaning to call me and you didn't call me. So like, even when you do take your car in to get it worked on, sometimes it doesn't get worked on, you know? So this is, this is, this has been my frustration dealing with mechanics. And then when you do get it worked on, the price is whatever they say it is, really. And then at that point, it's like, what are you going to do? You're going to not pay it? Well, they'll file like a mechanics lien against your vehicle. They may not even give it to you. And so it's like, it's, there's got to be a better way. Yeah. I, the last couple of years, I was in the States. I had a Volkswagen Beetle. And then, you know, the, once you have the European parts, you're all, that's like a second level of getting shafted. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love get, that. I got a friend here is um, in Japan and his friend, uh, his car is like, uh, was it Pugio, the, the French one? And he's like, yeah, we're not getting another one of those because maintaining it in Japan is just way too much of a, of a problem. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to import, yeah, you got that going for you. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it, well, that's the downside of, of you guys being on an island, right? Everything's got to get imported in, it seems, or I guess you can make it. Yeah, they, they there's there's a fair amount of like made in Japan stuff still. So uh, they, they make good. something here. I did hear um I think it was I think it was Nikon finally quit producing cameras in Japan. They're all made in Thailand now. So that oh, was like yeah. a, that was like a big event that oh they're not making them here anymore. But they were only making one one uh model here anyway. So <laughs> well I know that they're making most of our medicine in China. And since we sort of started this conversation on the topic of medicine and we have, uh, you know, for, for, you know, we're, we're goofing on Chantix and all of this and prescription drugs and, but for the people that, you know, for the, the prescription drugs that do work and the people that absolutely positively do need them, we're getting ourselves into a really weird situation where we're being very dependent on a, uh, a foreign country, China, we, you know, United States has, it has a strange relationship with, with China, but even if it's just, even if it was Thailand, like Nikon, right. And, and we have a great relationship with Thailand to have all of your medical eggs in one country's basket like that creates a bit of a, um, well, it creates the, the possibility for a problem. And now in the U S we're starting to see some supply chain breakdowns in the, in, in some items, but once that hits medicine, once that hits prescription drugs, um, we're going to have a lot of people freaking out and off their meds, <laughs> which yeah. could be even worse. <laughs> yeah, I know. Cause I mean, it was always like, Oh, well, China's just holding all of what um, America's bonds or whatever. So they could just pull that trigger. But yeah, now we're like giving them a, a second trigger, I suppose. And that is another thing Japan does. Um, Japan is very much like we want to make all of our own medicine. So a lot of times something that is considered a pretty good medicine in other countries. It takes a while for it to actually appear in Japan because they, they want to make it themselves. Smart. Yeah. <laughs> it's smart. It's it it allows you control. It doesn't it doesn't outsource your independence to somebody else. And and yeah, yeah, that that's what I 
I remember when America used to make things back in the 1980s, back in the 1970s. Not anymore. Now we just outsource it all. Now we make it. We just order it on Amazon and it just magically appears the next day at our house. Yeah, I'm thinking, how much have I ordered from Amazon recently? A couple CDs. That's it. Yeah, I guess I'm pretty low level on my Amazon. Um, yeah. I probably wouldn't get the CDs, but the, we still have Tower Records here, but it's it's finally collapsed to like the Kmart selection. They, they oh took, no! They took half the <laughs> store, and because they used to have like a Tower Record selection, they still got a good classical selection. But uh, yeah, they just took half their store and made it like five K-pop acts. <laughs> Blah. Yeah. So that's, that's that. What, a, my, what an embarrassment! But there's a Tower Records there. That's amazing. I just I remember when like. Living in LA for a long, long time, they were the Tower Records on Sunset. That's where, like, all the when the albums came out, you know, the band would be there. You know, like Motley Crue would be in that Tower Records on Hot on Sunset, and and you just go there at you know we're gonna have a release party two o'clock in the afternoon on Thursday, whatever, and it would just be swarmed with people. The good old days, right? Yeah, yeah, but um. I, I honestly, I think Tower Records closing was one of the things that got me. I think I don't want to live in America anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I said, what Over, was I doing? I'm out of here. Yeah. What was I doing? I was listening to my intuition and the intuition said, be where you are now. So, uh, but, yeah. but the Tower Records is a weird sign for me. Um, it's bleeding out now here. I mean, not financially, I guess it's just, they don't have a selection anymore, but I'm finally getting a point where I guess I don't care much about, Trowing through the record stores I used to. So it took took me what 15 years later and everyone else, but <laughs> yeah. Well, it's different now. It's like I have a 10-year-old, a almost a 10-year-old, and she is never gonna have that relationship with music the way I did with CDs and and you know, going to the store and looking for, you know, oh, these are new releases, these are just out. Oh, you go to the store. I mean, you still have music and obviously, and you still have new releases and things like that, but it's less of a I don't know, less of a big deal. You know, the, the, the move, the, the new albums would always come out on Tuesdays, you know, and you'd be like, Oh, we'll go see what's out or, you know, now everything's digital and you can like pick a couple songs off of an album and not have to have the whole album. I, what fun is that? That sort of takes the majesty out of it all. You know how you could like play a CD or an out a record or whatever, start at the beginning and listen to the whole thing and have like an experience. I don't know. I feel like, I blame Apple for that. <laughs> yeah, I'm still pretty <laughs> much an Apple, uh, an Apple guy. I guess I'm an Apple guy because I have an iPad. But yeah, I, I'm still an album guy. So my, but my iTunes is curated to be all albums. So, oh, that's cool. <laughs> I, I never cut songs, even if there's one I don't like. I'm like, it's part of the album. It goes there. You know, I make sure to get the right. correct cover art and all that. You know, I, I've spent some time doing that, but you do have to spend the time to curate your music like that. So, and it's, it's something that I need to do. It's on my list of things. Like I have my, my iPhone, you know, and like, when I go into my music, I have a bunch of incomplete stuff. Like I have like, why isn't this stuff transferring over? I've got to, so I need to do, you, you've reminded me that I need to do a better job of curating my my music better it takes a long time <laughs> that's all right it's probably worth it it's right. probably worth it if you get a sense of uh accomplishment when you finish uh going organizing your music but 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 seriously some of the 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 best times i remember like with my friends growing up was that there was a, there was always music playing in the background somewhere it might be that we're all listening to the same album or it's on at a party or i hear some song and it takes me right back to that moment you know so there it's powerful to have that connection and i hope that the people that you know the kids that have grown up with like just digital can have have the same sort of will have a relationship with music the way that maybe that we did you know when 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 we were younger when you still had that the ceremony of buying the album or buying the CD and, you know, getting that shrink wrap off a half an hour later and then getting that CD in there and then listening, you know, Whoa, cool. You know, I, I, it's, I, there's something about that, that, and I'm sure every generation's like, you know, remember the eight track tapes? And we were like, we don't need eight track tapes. We need CDs. We're in the digital age, but I guess everyone gets a little upgrade to their technology, but still the idea of having like, the album start to finish you know playing the whole thing 
Yeah, I have uh, distinct memories of uh, everyone haggling in the uh, junior high school hallway on how we were all going to get a copy of Pearl Jam's Verses by the end of the day. Well, he's got yep. he's got his latest learner's permit, so at least he's not completely illegal if he drives to the mall. <laughs> yep, yep, so, yep, yep. I remember pretty- that album coming out. That album was going to be called Five Against One. And they changed it at the last second to make it verses. And, yeah. uh, and I was like, oh, cool. A new Pearl Jam album's coming out, you know. Use Your Illusion 1 and 2, Guns N' Roses coming out. Oh, no, out. that was the disappointment. <laughs> I remember they're like, you can get, it's a double album, but it's double the price. I and mean, there's, there's two of them. You got to buy both. And it's like, hmm. Well, which to be one fair, to be fair e- each one was a double album on vinyl. So, <laughs> Oh, was it? On yeah. vinyl, each one was... What a a, a terrible music! (laughs) I do. I love. I love appetite. But yeah, yeah. That. that, We. Yeah. Wasn't a use your illusion fan. Uh, (laughs) It was a Uh, bit, a bit grandiose and a bit kind of arrogant. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, that that I think that's where the uh, corporate, you know, kind of like hair metal bands from the '80s finally fully bursted. I suppose. (laughs) Yeah, I went to that um, that that concert tour that was going on in 93 i guess it was the metallica guns and roses concert when they oh were yeah going out together and that i had i think the last you know one of the last seats like the last row of in san diego at the old at the old jack murphy stadium to see like you know like the, the guys they're like the size of an ant from where you are in your seat mm-hmm. watching them on stage we didn't care. We were just happy to be there. Crazy, you know, great music and and uh, lots of insane people there. I still like. I, I I still like to claim that my first concert was a Sonic Youth, and I couldn't hear for four days after. <laughs> <laughs> my hair was shot for like three or four days afterwards. <laughs> my first concert was was uh, Adam Adam Ant with in excess opening for him so he was it was solo no ants it was well it was adam and the ants yeah okay yeah, i know he went solo for a bit too <laughs> yeah this was night i want to say this was 1983 in excess is the opening band yeah real small and then my second concert was billy idol and i went with my mom because oh, yeah, i was in kid. like fifth grade i went with my dad to <laughs> sonic youth <laughs> but uh yeah actually that's weird um when I, and when I was a kid, so it was probably about 89, 90, I was, you know, like comic books and I started getting into like the small press ones where you'd get like, I remember one guy just, it was like a 20 page comic book um, historical rendering of, of Adam Ant's uh, complete career <laughs> up to that point. And, and that, oh, yeah. that was actually how I came to know about him because I didn't know if it was like someone was just being creative and making up this rock star or cause you know, he kind of fizz- not fizzled, but he wasn't on the scene as much by a late eighties. So it no, took me a few, it, a few years it, to work it, out if this was real or not. <laughs> and he looked kind of unreal. I mean, he looked perfect for, for the eighties, but his whole thing was kind of unreal. And then his dad was, it his, turned out his dad. I didn't re- find out this till like two decades later, his dad was like a big time politician who had been like arrested for pedophilia and was like one of those like dirtbag British guys in parliament, like back when in the seventies and everything. And I was like, Whoa, okay. Yeah, there's this that guy might have been- bow, wow, wow. Now we know it went on at the BBC. So yeah, it comes across as a rather seedy situation now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking maybe Adam Ant was, uh, maybe he was perfect for that. You know, maybe he was hanging out with Jimmy Savile too. You never know. I don't know. <laughs> Who was it? I think it was the Sex Pistols in one of their interviews. Where they just uh, it, like in 1980, just was straight up started talking shit about Savile on air. <laughs> yep. yep, he said, "I want to murder." He says, "There's somebody that I want to murder." They're talking to Johnny Rotten. He's like, "They're like, who's that?" He's like, "I want to murder Jimmy Savile." <laughs> you know, we know who you are. We know what you're doing. We're gonna get you, Jimmy. And I was, I was like listening to that, going, "Whoa!" He knew. He knew. It was 1979 when he recorded that interview. And I was like, dang, they knew back then <laughs> about this guy. They should have sent Sid Vicious after him. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that Probably. wasn't an accidental overdose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You did a bad interview. But, uh, <laughs> right. Right. I guess just yeah. rolling back through. Um, I, I, 
back on the Chantix thing just to bring it back home yeah. for a bit. Um, <laughs> I mean, again, I talk about what I mean, we, we get to, we get we get sidetracked, but it's it's fun, too. But I, I do have to say I was never a heavy smoker, but I just suddenly quit. So I guess you can you do that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Listen, this is a this is a, a pill that is totally unnecessary. You know what I mean? You can you can quit smoking. I smoked for a while, not much, but I smoked for a while. And you know, when you start smoking, yeah, it takes you a little while to get into it. When you quit smoking, it takes you a little while to quit. You know, but but these but but if you're trading the smoking for a pharmaceutical drug that has the sort of side effects that this one has, I, I mean, you might just be trading one. Uh, a bad habit for some other sort of bad chemistry. And, um, you know, and I think it's important. I mean, we, we're, we're kind of joking about this because it's, it's kind of silly. And, you know, the, the idea of getting these crazy dreams is, is I'm sure it's serious for the people that are, that are experiencing it for, for everyone else. It's, it's hysterical. The, the fact that the, the, these types of dreams, but, but you know the pharmaceutical industry, in in especially in the United States, in the medical industry in general, is the third leading cause of death, behind heart disease and cancer. And so, you know, we're, we're kind of goofing on this, but like the reality is that we overprescribe people these drugs, and that and and when you get on too many drugs or the wrong kinds of drugs with interactions and everything, people drop dead from this stuff all the time. And, and in the United States, it's hap, it happened. I mean, we're talking like 180,000 people every year die from the medical industry. Like that's a lot of people. That's 15,000 people a month, you know, 500 people a day in the United States are going in and taking a medication and then falling over from it. So, so the idea that you you know, I get it. If you, if you want to have a medication, like you said, in your, in your particular case, you have like you know, um, like elevated heart rate or something like that. You take it, you know, to, in order to, uh, bring down your high blood pressure. Great. That that's fine. But if you're taking pills for things that you can quit, like you're taking a pill to quit smoking, but you could really quit smoking if you tried hard and wanted to quit smoking, then you're introducing additional risk by taking these crazy drugs. And, and it's not like, it's not like there's no downside to some of these drugs, like the downside is death in some cases. So it's not even like, you're not going to get hooked on Chantix where you're like trying to score it on a street corner or anything, but, but you could have a, a horrible interaction or you're obviously you're gonna You're almost guaranteed to have nightmares <laughs> apparently from this <laughs> stuff. So the idea of it as just some quick fix is I think misguided because some of these, uh, these drugs have really dangerous side effects that could, uh, that could have repercussions that are far worse than smoking. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you know, doctors typically have good intentions, but you know, the road to hell can be paved with good intentions and everyone makes mistakes, you know, irregardless of your education level. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, just always consider what you're doing. Um, <clears throat> there was another thing I'm, I had like a thing on my it's still a little bit there. There's a thing on my eye, right? And I I actually looked up myself and said, I think it's thing, I think it's this thing because my hair just grew back in my eye and a pore probably got blocked. And I was like, should I tell that to a doctor? She said, no, 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 the doctor will know. She looks, it's a sty and gives me medicine. I'm like, it's still not going away. Go back a week later. It's a sty. Go back a week later. I said, oh, it's the thing you originally said it was. <laughs> so, of course. I mean, again, the intentions weren't bad, right? But people right. make mistakes, so. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and 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 you know, we have this this belief, or you know, maybe it's it's conditioning that doctors are here; they're going to fix everything. Look, and a lot of them, a lot of them will or can fix things, but they're not magicians. They can't fix everything. Um, and they're not perfect. And on top of that, I mean, 
if you've been trained in the United States in particular, you go through that Rockefeller Medical School and the, 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 the medical schools that have been financed by the Rockefeller Foundation. And they were financed by the Rockefellers because they had so much oil and petroleum. They're going, what do we do with all this? Let's find a way to use it. So they made, they came up with the idea of petroleum-based medicine, this allopathic medicine. And they started creating a system so that everybody would be would be on their version of medicine then they finance the medical schools and so as a as a young person going through you go to college you wind up in medical school your influence and the only education you get is is about this medicine and the reason why it's about this medicine is because the people that finance the schools are the ones that own the companies that make that, that benefit from this so it is no exaggeration to say that big pharma runs the the uh, medical schools. They absolutely do. They always have. And so it's this feeder um, mechanism that takes people, calls them doctor, trains them to be doctors, teaches them one way to deal with the treating things. And that's prescribe, prescribe, prescribe. And then um, we wonder why we're sick. Yeah. My grandfather is actually a, a country doctor in Delaware, like in the thirties oh. and the forties. I'm now, sitting here thinking that must have been like an interesting transition state because he would have gone to one of the early versions of those mm -hmm. schools. At the same time, he still did, you know, house calls uh, in the middle of the night, sometimes apparently drunkenly. Um, <laughs> okay, that's a, that adds a new element to it. That's kind of interesting. <laughs> when someone calls, it's eleven at night. You've had a scotch, right? <laughs> Listen, I mean, you are calling at eleven o'clock at night. You get what you get. It is countryside in the thirties, forties, but um. Yeah, yeah. And, and, but here's the thing, doing the house calls, that's super rare now. Uh, and then he'd sometimes get paid in like, like turtle meat or something, you know, <laughs> like Three pa chicken. paid in barter. Yeah, so my dad was like, when he was growing up, there's always like weird meat around the house. Because, you know, some people, they didn't have, they really didn't have money. They, they were like, you know, farmers and actually were still somewhat living off the land uh, at that point. So they'd have to pay with something else, which try, try paying your doctor turtle meat now. Yeah. Well, they won't take it. <laughs> so they simply will not take it. I've tried. They won't take the turtle meat, but, um, but that's, it. that's fascinating because yeah, things have changed. I mean, you think about the way, like the interaction between God, especially after COVID, the interaction between like patients and doctors back when your grandfather was in his thirties and forties, you know, that guy shows up at your house and everything's going to be okay. Right. He's going to, he's going to check you out and examine you and get right to the bottom of it. I don't have that level of trust anymore with doctors. I just don't, I just don't, I don't look at them as there is a gray area where you know that there's some executives sitting around the boardrooms making decisions based on their stock price, not based on what it's going to do for the health of some person. And I would also like to remind people that the heads of all of the big pharma companies are not medical doctors. There's not a single doctor that's the head of the big pharma company. Well, I take that back. There's one, but that person's like a doctor of English. Everyone else have MBAs, master's of business administration. It's a business first and foremost. And so there is this weird gray area where it's like, well, do we make a business decision to make my stock price go up 75 cents a share, or do we make a medical decision which might impact my stock price, but it's the right thing to do to keep somebody alive because we can't take this medication and do what we're doing with it because it's, it's, it's not helping. So like, as an example, you've got Wellbutrin, which is a medication that is made to, um, cure, well, to manage depression. And then you have that exact same pill, chemically identical, the same thing with a different name on it called Zyban. And that helps you quit smoking, just like Chantix. How do they know? How do they know that one pill does both? Or how do you know that the, if you're taking it to quit smoking, it'll have the, the depress, you know, help you with your depression? Or what if you take it for depression, but it, cures you of your smoke. It's the same pill. It's the exact same thing. And you just know, you just can envision the conversation in the boardroom where the guys are going, look, we've already spent the research and development money on this thing. 
for depression. It's called Wellbutrin. It works. What else can we use it for? And some guy goes, I don't know. Can we get it? Can it help? Well, what are some of the side effects? Well, it's been reported by some of the people that took Wellbutrin that it made their depression feel better and they stopped smoking. Great. It's a stop smoking pill now. Give it a different name. We've already got the R&D paid for. Let's just now give it to the marketing department. So you can, so you, you have the pharmaceutical industry getting into these potential conflicts of interest where they have to worry about, you know, the research and development might've been for, for this pill to see if it does something totally different from what, from the reason you're taking it, you know? And so the research and development is incomplete. You have the the um, insane amount of marketing. I mean, in the US and in New Zealand, those are the only two countries that allow on television pharmaceutical commercials to be run. And they're everywhere. I mean, you want to turn on the nightly news here in the US and at least half of the ads are for some pharmaceutical pill you've probably never heard of. The commercial's very generic. It shows people at a picnic. It shows them like smiling and laughing. And it's basically saying like, Look at all these things you'll be doing if you're still alive. Um, but and, and we're inundated with these ads. But what people don't realize is that you, you think we're getting inundated. Pharmaceutical industry is spending seven times that amount to advertise direct to doctors. So the, the doctors are getting seven times more than what we're getting. And, and, they're, and, and there's fewer of them. So they're just getting bombarded with pharmaceutical advertising. So, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a strange relationship where you have to manage, and I get it, you have to, you know, it's a business. So you have to manage the business side with the medical side. And sometimes what's good for business ain't good for bus, uh, med medicine. And so that, that, that creates real conflicts that I think have not been reconciled. Really, and I think I think that some of the the you know the 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 downside to the pharmaceutical industry is that they most definitely put profits ahead of health, and when you do that, you 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 create a, a really dangerous situation. Um, yeah, we get Japanese commercials, which is fun. I do notice a lot of the pins that come through my hands do have or seem to be pharmaceutical companies even in japan but uh the the the, the annoying thing in japanese commercials is it's, they'll play them twice <laughs> oh really yeah you'll hear it and then you'll see it another time so <laughs> uh, yeah <laughs> that's mildly yeah. frustrating but <laughs> yeah well here we just get them we just get never-ending pharmaceutical commercials I do and remember we that. Why everyone so. wants to take a pill for everything? Funny, and the the Chantex ads ran too, and and they and then they give you know they have to give the list of side effects at the end. Yeah, some side effects may include you know, uh, vivid vivid dreams. I think was what they they described it. Oh, they, really they, vivid they, suicidal dreams of dragons <laughs> breathing fire on you and people melting really that that sort of thing like let's let's get into more of these dreams shall we let's have another commercial where you tell me all about the side effects of the dreams and, and all of that because it sounds fascinating to me so you, you can't do the side effects they, they go at like warp speed with that right you know it's like yeah include or smoke wild <laughs> dreaming you know yeah <laughs> yeah and it's never ending too you know Oh no! I guess Saturday Night Live. You know, we can we can kick them in some places, but man, their fake commercials are always great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. They do it. They do a good job when they when they get enough time to to really sit down and pre-record those in advance and and do all. It, yeah, they do a good job. Well, I guess we should be wrapping up for today. But uh, right. can you tell them where folks can go for your uh, your books, your podcast? Sure. Yeah. You can go. Uh, my podcast is Macroaggressions. It's available wherever podcasts are served in audio format. And also in video format, you can find that at David Icke's, video, at, at David Icke's uh, platform called Iconic. You can find that on Rockfin. It's on Odyssey. Sometimes I'm on YouTube, but you know, it depends on the content of the video because they start getting weird and dinging me. Um, I have a group podcast that I do with Sam Tripoli from uh, Tinfoil Hat, Ricky Verandas from The Ripple Effect, and Midnight Mike from OBDM. And that show is called The Union of the Unwanted. It is a group roundtable discussion where we pick a topic, bring in experts, bring in content creators, and we 
we get into it last we did recorded one on monday it was all about prepping and getting ready for the end of the world and we brought on all kinds of experts so the union of the unwanted is one podcast macroaggressions is the other one and if you're interested in connecting with me you can do so through my website the octopus of global control.com i didn't i didn't hear the prepping episode but my back pocket is the family farm is 10 kilometers away Oh, <laughs> that's basically where I sit. Also, Japan pulls together when things get bad, usually like, you know, um, yeah. with the 2011, like there wasn't looting. People helped each other. So that was nice. Now they did irradiate half of a prefecture and everyone had to move out. So that wasn't good. But uh, at least oh. on the local level, people were uh, trying to help each other. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 yeah, that's because the Japanese are civilized and we are we are a bunch of savages here in the US <laughs> acting like maniacs. If our cable goes out for more than two hours, people are rioting in the streets. So, you know. But um as for his podcast, it's oral hygiene. It's on Facebook, it's on Twitter, um, it's on a podcasting umbrella on Patreon of Podcastio Podcastius, where some of these episodes show up early. So Check it out there. And uh, Charlie, it's always groovy to have a chat with you. I guess it's, likewise. It's not quite to your bedtime because right? you're, yeah, you're several hours back, but it is getting to my work time. Is that weird? I podcast and then go to work. I think you're supposed to do it the other way around. Ah, you know what? <laughs> the nice thing is there's no rules in podcasting. You do it however you want to do it. That's right. I, I work weird hours. Your shows. <laughs> okay. Okay. Take care then. Did you advance the film strip? Are you on the final page? Well done.